0: We cannot be authentic and honest if we only talk about social media as if we are passive recipients of these things. That's the other element of this that's super important.
1: Welcome to the Winsome Conviction Podcast. My name is Tim Yulhoff. I'm a professor of communication at Biola University and the co-director of the Winsome Conviction Project, a five-year project seeking to reintroduce compassion and civility into our disagreements, both among Christians, but also with those outside the Christian community. Is it possible to really speak truth and do so in love? We believe that that is. But one, one area we're getting pushback. back, is on the area of online civility, that this is the Wild West. And I'm amazed how many Christians just simply want to discard it, that it's time to leave, that we can't redeem online communication. And we feel differently here at the Winsome Conviction uh, Project. So we've invited a friend She is not new to you. Dr. Joy Qualls was brought in on a segment called Coming Up to Speed on Politics, and we decided to have her back. She is the Associate Dean, Division of Communication in the School of Fine Arts and Communication. Not only is she a speaker, she's also an author. Please check out her book, God Forgive Us for Being Women, Rhetoric, Theology, and the Pentecostal Tradition. Dr. Qualls, thank you so much for being back.
0: Hey, Tim. Happy to be here with you.
1: Let me... uh, mention some statistics and then you and I can jump in and we'll fix the internet. We got about 25 minutes. Fantastic.
0: If anybody can do it, you and I can.
1: Yeah. Maybe we'll get to global warming at the end. Sure. Hey, listen. How much time we have left. (laughs) So here are some quotes. The first one is not new to our listeners, but I think it's important to understand that we are in a seminal moment in our country where people are on the same page and we just need to take advantage of that. In our study last year, 98% of Americans, think about that, in a time we can't agree on anything, 98% of us state that incivility is a serious problem, 68% agree that it's reached crisis levels, and 87% of Americans would say, I don't feel safe sharing my perspective, either online or in person. According to another national survey, 68% of respondents said online interaction has been mostly negative and has put a strain on relationships Mm -hmm. because of their online communication. And in the course of a normal week, you can expect 5.5 negative online interactions. This isn't just interpersonal communication. Managers at Fortune 1000 firms spend the equivalent of seven weeks a year dealing with the aftermath of online incivility. So, Dr. Qualls, I turn to you, and whatever you say all of us are going to do. So pick your words oh, very <laughs> carefully. Uh, yeah. Wow. But, but but talk to us a little bit about your initial reaction to these uh, statistics.
0: Nothing about them surprises me. Mm. I think we're all aware whether or not we are engaged heavily online or we are observers online. I think we are all aware of the challenges of the online environment. So just to, just to give you a little bit of background in my own space, I, I have been on Facebook for 13 years now, which feels long to me, but if I were 10 years younger, that's actually a relatively short period of time. I was a late adopter mm-hmm. to the Facebook. Um, I have been on Twitter almost as long as that because uh, we I jumped onto Twitter actually early when it was still um, kind of a one way platform as mm-hmm. opposed to a a, a two way platform um, and and really recent to Instagram because the Instagram didn't make a lot of sense to me and I have told students that I'm not getting on anything else because the three uh, <laughs> it makes me old it puts me behind I understand that but the but managing those three spaces takes up way more time than and 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 you mentioned both of us are authors. We know the pressure that we feel from um, publishers to have an online presence and to um and to speak into those spaces. so so there is a lot of um, external pressure to be involved in these spaces, but when we are involved in them, they don't feel good to us. They don't feel like, uh, good interactive spaces. So so I, I don't think those statistics would surprise anyone regardless of, of their involvement. The question is, what do we do about it? You know, so I've even said over, over the 13 years that I've been um, in these online spaces, um, it's changed. When I first got on social media, it was fun. It was fun to post an article, see what sort of reaction you would get, positive or negative, feel like you could sort of Banter back and forth with people, and now it feels like you're setting your ideology, you're setting your um, religious tradition, you're setting up who you are as a person, and the the amount of vitriol, um, not only in the posts themselves, but in the direct messages and in the private messages, and my website is connected to um, you know my social media posts, so I get emails. Um, we've actually had to turn over responses to authorities in the last year. Wow, because of the the number of threats, um, the the claims of violence, the encouragement to do harm to myself, um, reached a place where uh, we had to work with an organization who I was publishing with um, who handled most of it. but um, but yeah, we had to, you know, it it just reached a new level. And so then you do start to wonder, like, Do I need to back away from this space? But I got to be honest with you, as a communicator, that makes me really angry. (laughs) Because that says that I'm giving in then to the mob, whatever that mob is, that says what we want to do is make sure that you stay silent. And so guess what? You're not on here anymore. You've stayed silent. So I do take periodic breaks, Mm -hmm. um, but I chose to remove all social media from my phone. But I don't have anything, no notifications, no apps, no easy to just doom scroll, as it were, um, just to give myself a mental health break for 40
1: days. I'm under the impression, Joy, that we shouldn't abdicate. If I were to say a non-controversial statement, such as Christians need to be in the public square, no one would view that um, negatively or even disagree. But when Secretary Clinton came out a couple years ago and said, guess what? The the public square is now online. I really agree with that sentiment. So I'm really leery and a little bit surprised how many Christians are saying I'm getting off of social media. I would rather have a strategy for getting back on it, but doing it in a way that's a bit different.
0: Yeah, I think the challenge is, I, I don't disagree with that. I think it has become what the public square used to be. The challenge is, is it's not a public square. Social media is not publicly owned, it's not publicly funded, and it's not publicly um, regulated amongst the public. It's, it's the corporate square. Mm. So I think the other thing that we have to keep in mind is that we are not just citizens engaging when we engage in social media. We are a product being sold. Oh, that's good. And when you know that, right, like that's one of the things I say as a public communicator. I know that this is what is happening. And I am partnering with these companies to market my own public identity, my own writing, my own speaking, my own shaping of uh, my worldview and the things that I want to communicate. And so I'm willing to join my um, Corporate, if you will, entity, my personal, I, I hate the word personal brand, but but, it, but the reality is is that's what it is, to those corporations in order to be able to have the mechanism by which to get my message out. The challenge is, is that my 96 year old grandma is not out there doing those things. Mm. She wants to be able to see pictures of her grandkids. And she wants to be able to see updates about what's happening in her in her kids' lives because she doesn't have access to the tools of communication that she had as a young wife and mother at, at 98 years old. She can't hear very well. She doesn't see very well. So television um, doesn't work for her. It's hard for her to read the newspaper. But she can um, expand images on her iPad and she can... Um, you know, have heads, a headset in and listen to you know the audio that comes from things, so she can hear, you know, me give a sermon or whatever it happens to be. So, so the thing is, is that those two things are intention. There are some people who want to be into social media because it's a social space; it's a p- space to have access to community you wouldn't have because we are so more, so much more spread apart. But for others of us, it it is a um, it is both a public square as well as a as a business entity, and learning how to navigate those things um, is is where a lot of the
1: tension is. And that's what we do in our communication department here at Biola. Is we, I would love it if it was just this carefree, fun show, photographs of my vacation. So, and by the way, I went on to Facebook because my um, my publisher wanted me to do it, and and I found the. Uh, the public side of it was really fun. I'm in contact with people from my college days. I, I, that was really enjoyable to me. But you're saying you have to be aware that it's not merely that. We, we, we have to teach our students to know you're being spoken to and guided and shaped and to at least be aware of that.
0: Yeah, the more things that you share, whether it's about your shopping trip to Nordstrom or your opinion on the latest Um, you know, public opinion polls with regard to uh, whoever's in the White House, that's feeding an algorithm that is then feeding you more things like that, right? And so, um, now, let me also just say this. We cannot be authentic and honest if we only talk about social media as if we are passive recipients of these things. That's the other element of this that's super important, Yes, I'm being fed an algorithm of the things that I'm putting out there, right? So if I am sharing a conspiracy theory, guess what's going to show up in my feed? More articles that are about said theory. So I still have a responsibility as a communicator to be critical about the things that I'm reading to ask myself questions about where did this come from, what might belong in that space. In the same way as if I walked down to, so so I'm a Midwestern girl. Um, Our towns have literal squares in many of them. Um, And if I was to walk down to the end of Main Street in my hometown to the courthouse and listen to a speaker on the steps of the courthouse, I have that same responsibility. Just because they're standing on the courthouse steps doesn't mean I automatically have to believe everything that they're saying. But for some reason, we've decided that when our news feed fills up with said stories, that it must be true because I'm seeing it all over my news feed. Whereas if I was listening to the speaker on the steps of the town square, first of all, I'd be like, why are you standing on the steps of the town square? <laughs> um but what are you doing here? What gives you credibility? What it, why should I believe what you have to say? Thank you for your information. I'm going to go check this out. Uh, but, but we can't simply be passive recipients. This, this is part of the communication scholarship element of this. Communication is, is a two-way street with both the sender and the receiver of the communication holding equal responsibility. Equal responsibility in what we put out there but also equal responsibility in the way in which we receive that information. And it, it is no longer um, safe for us to assume that we can just receive information and not be actively involved in how we not how we receive it, but then how we respond to it.
1: So Joy, one of the things we're going to cover in this conference, uh, we're going to tackle being a consumer and being aware that you're a consumer. So I love what you said about the algorithms, right? Some people think that this is just weird stuff that's being put upon you, but you're creating the algorithm.
0: You're contributing to it for sure.
1: You're contributing to the algorithm. That's really good. And I loved another point you said. I want to go back to it because one of the talks we're going to do at this conference is Dr. Ariana Malloy is going to talk about the role Sabbath plays in our spirit, literally as we go online. So unpack just a little bit your Lent decision and then how that might help you be a better online communicator choosing to do that during Lent.
0: So there is an old adage attributed to the newspaper business that said, if it bleeds, it leads, right? So we have long since been uh, subject to media information that starts with the most controversial, the most out there, the most exotic of anything that it could be because that attracts our attention. The day-to-day mundane, uh, you know, even here's what the stock market is doing today is, is not nearly as exciting as the 10 car pile up on the, on the five freeway. Right. But if we constantly fed ourselves with only that information, news, um, studies have shown that people who watch the local news religiously are more fearful than people who make national news a priority. Why? Because every story in the first 10 minutes is robberies, homicides, break-ins, um, you know, problems with the local government. And, and it feeds that. Mm-hmm. So one, it's what catches our attention. So that's why they use it. But two, it, it creates something in us that makes us more fearful And I find in my own life that when I turn to social media to feed the space in my life, Mm. so whether it's I've had a long day and I just want to do what my grandpa used to do and go hide behind the newspaper for an hour, I hide behind my phone. Mm. And all I'm doing is scrolling through things that I become more anxious. Mm. I have a more negative view of the people in my sphere, whatever that sphere is. Now, I will say some of that is I have 3,000 friends on Facebook um, at plus at this point, partly because I had a policy for a while where I accepted anybody's friend request because I was trying to do what publishers and others were asking me to do to build this brand, right? And so I accepted everybody um, for a long time, but I've had to curate – what I see in my feed. So, if I don't know you personally, I unfollow you. You can still be my friend. I you can still interact with me, but I I don't I don't know your friends and family, so I don't need those mm. things in my feed. Um, but also, uh, um, I've tried to limit uh, how many different news organizations I follow. I try to follow a variety so I get different perspectives. But if if all I'm seeing is um, the the number of COVID deaths and the um the the latest uh, you know challenges with the Supreme Court and and those um, bleeding leading stories then then I start to feel that the world around me is nothing but hurting and harmful and I'm fairly empathetic I I um I feel things really big and mm. I start to feel those things bigger so it's a tension because I Need to be on there to promote the work that I do, um, but I can't be on there because it's not good for my mental health. So how do I find that space? And it's so it's it's intentional things like this. Like I said, this is not what I've given up for Lent, but it is a time where I've thought, okay, here's a here's a space where the world is setting aside things, and they don't need to hear from me. Mm. So that's actually the announcement I made on on all of my social media channels was. I am going to step back from public communication for the next six weeks. Not I'm getting off social media, not, because I also don't need this pious, um, you know, look at me, I'm getting off social media for Lent. That's not what it meant. I just said I'm going to cease from engaging in public communication for the next six weeks. And that has to be on me. Nobody can force me. I don't want the government to force me to do those things. I don't want my church to force me to do those things. I don't want my workplace to force me to do those things. I have to engage in that self-discipline not only for my own soul, but so then I am also responding in those very public spaces better. I'm I'm responding to things in relationship to my government better. I'm responding to things in relationship to my church better. I'm responding in things with relationship to my workplace, better. All of those things are better because I'm healthier. But it's my discipline that has to be engaged in, not something
1: that's forced upon me. I love that. That's really good. I just couldn't deny the world my perspective for that long, Joy. I, well, I, think I there are people that I just feel like the damage control would be... Now, obviously, I'm totally not kidding. But, that's, uh, but, <clears> but <throat> Tim, kidding. it's good
0: that you say that, though, because I think sometimes that's the idea that we have in our minds is that our influence in these spaces is so big that yeah. if yeah. the and and by the way again social media feeds that
1: yeah.
0: um, there were several weeks during the 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 time between the election and the inauguration where I just didn't comment on things I, I was mm. I was distressed about stuff mm-hmm. I was trying to make up my own opinion about things I was trying to figure out how, um, as a Christian leader, do we respond? And I was getting messages every day. When are you going to speak about this? When are you gonna speak yeah. into this thing? We're waiting to hear from you. And I thought, who are you people need to get yeah. you know yeah. better yeah. information. If I'm the person you're waiting on, yeah. that's a really big problem. And so we do need to manage um, our own perceptions of our role in yep. this space, but we also need to manage other people's expectations in this space. I am not your pastor or your guru or your spouse or your accountability partner or any of those things when I exist in a, in a, in a public space. And if you need to hear from somebody on some of those things, I would suggest you get a therapist. <laughs> and, I, but, and, I, and I don't say that to mean yeah, that there's anything yeah. wrong with you, but you need to find somebody else to talk to yeah. if your Facebook friend or your Instagram influencer or whoever yeah just today, let me give you another example. I um, had a friend just text me when I was getting ready to come in for the podcast and said, hey, did you see so-and-so's Instagram post? I said, no, I'm not on Instagram right now. Well, they're connected to a major religious scandal in the last couple of years um, in the evangelical community, and they have finally spoken out. You need to go check it out. Mm. And so we bantered back and forth a little bit, and I you know, I said, oh, I'm not going to go look at it today. Well, let me send it to you. Okay, send it to me. And you know, my thought was, while I appreciate this person's statement, the truth of the matter is that person owes me nothing. Mm. They don't owe me a response. They don't owe me mm. what their perspective is. They owe me nothing. Now, if they want to choose to speak about that, It might even be interesting to me. Do I want to know? Sure, I want to know. But the reality is they had no obligation. And what made me so sad is that this statement that was made was an apology as if because they are a public entity who had some proximity to this particular scandal, that they owed the world Mm. a response to that. And it really struck me as that would never have happened 25 years ago, when you would have had to put that statement in a newspaper or a magazine or get on television to make that statement, we would never have expected the children of leaders or the associates of leaders to make their own statements. But because it's so easy, we have expectations of them that we've never had before, and it and it broke my heart a little bit, to be honest.
1: Remember the proverb that where many words are, their sin. Right. That's very interesting for us to kind of think about. Um, Well, I hope this is piquing your curiosity as you're listening to this. Dr. Qualls is going to be one of our moderators. Um, We're bringing in people to talk about the idea of conspiracy theories. How does that affect how we approach social media. Uh, We're bringing in experts that are going to be interviewed. What are the top five mistakes that people tend to make when it comes to social media? So please, again, check this out. Just go to the Winsome Conviction website, winsomeconviction.com, and check on resources, and you'll see the comm department. Check on events. You'll see uh, this event. Please check out our website and check out everything from resources to our podcast that you're listening to right now. Um, We've got to figure out online communication. I think as Christians that are called to be engaged, I think what's happening on online communication is what Secretary Clinton said. This is an important space that we're just going to have to figure out and acknowledge that incivility is rampant. So thank you, but Dr. Qualls, thank you again.
0: Anytime.